If you'll take your Bible and turn over to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll jump into the deep water tonight. I think, I, I don't think I'm being over dramatic. I think that we have reached a place in the Sermon on the Mount that so far maybe is the most challenging, the most difficult to have to swallow. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be asking to hear from you tonight uh, periodically, and I hope we'll have enough time to get through all of this, but we're going to start reading in verse 38 of chapter 5, and we're going to read through the end of verse 42. And so we could say that this portion and then the following portion, some of the toughest, you know, this is the deep water here, and um, just it's, it's, this is tough. And so <laughs> let's read it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Jesus said in verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, first, before we even start looking at this, I mean, just reading it alone, <laughs> just reading it alone, flares go off, you know. Like, but, well, but what about this? What about this? What, what, could it possibly mean this? You know, it's all kinds of stuff goes off when you read this. But before we get into it, this is the fifth example that Jesus gives his followers of exceeding righteousness. Uh, he will give a total of six. This is the fifth one. Exceeding righteousness. I won't go back over that, but unless we have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, and we've described that before, it's an external, Jesus is looking for an internal and external righteousness. And if we do not have that kind of righteousness, he's already said that we would, we would never enter the kingdom of heaven. So serious business. I mean, this is ultra serious business. Uh, this example has to do with the proper response when one is personally wronged. When one is personally wronged, okay? Um, this, is, this is a personal issue, okay? Um, I, I, you, you've got a handout, and, and it, the first piece there says, left to ourselves, which we mean unaided by the Spirit of Christ, what will we most likely resort to when we are personally offended? Unaided by the Spirit of Christ, what, what do you think the first reaction will be when we are personally offended? Retaliation. Very good. Very good. Exactly. Uh, unaided, unaided by you know, the, the Spirit of Christ, the, 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 the natural reaction for most of us is, uh, I'm going to get you back. I'm, I'm going to get you back. I, I may have to wait for a while. I may have to plan it for a while, but I am going to get you back. But the question for us is this. How is a person who has the exceeding righteousness of Christ supposed to react to personal offenses? Uh, how, how are we supposed to do that? Left to ourselves, we will retaliate. We will seek vengeance. But Jesus is calling his followers to something else. And, and, and this brings up an interesting little piece here. I just want, to, want, to, want us to think about for just a moment before we launch into what all this means. 
See, when we have received Jesus, we, we have experienced the new birth. Uh, you know, in First John, for as many as who, who you know, received him, to them we gave the ability to become children of God who are you know, born not of blood and man, but you know, of the Spirit. This really is what it's speaking about. So it's talking about the new birth. So receiving Christ and the new birth are all kind of couched right there in the same verse. And when we receive Jesus, we experience the new birth. We're loved, we're loved and accepted into God's family as his adopted children. Okay? All on the basis of faith in Christ and what we have done or what he has done for us. However, we don't automatically live and react in a godly manner. It's not like, boom, I'm born again and I'm out of the gate living up in a perfect godly manner. Doesn't happen that way. What we find is now, now that we are in the family of God, we, we get instruction. And we're instructed uh, that our minds would be renewed okay, and that our behavior would progressively line up with our new status. Okay, Now, now that you're in the family of God, now that you've been saved by grace, uh, now that you've been loved and accepted, uh, we're instructed on how we're to live. Okay, We don't get in on the basis of how we live. We get on the basis of grace, but now that we're in, we get instructed of here's how to live righteous. Here's how to live because you have a new status. Here's how you are to live because now you are part of the family of God and you're representing the family of God. So what we're seeing here is Jesus is giving instruction in righteous living, okay? And so we, we, need, we need instruction. We need, we need to read the Bible. We need to... Here it taught. We need you know, all to help us to, to uh, progressively grow and line up with our new status. So in verse 38, that's what's happening here. So in verse 38, uh, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, this is an exact quote from Exodus chapter 21, verse 24. And at first, when you read this, you might see this as being rather savage, eye for an eye. You, you pluck my eye out, I'll pluck yours out then. We'll be even. You knock my tooth out, I'll knock your tooth out. We'll be even. At first, we, we might think that, it, 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 that, that that's what this means. However, it was actually merciful because it was designed to limit vengeance. In fact, it was a legal principle. It was, it was a... It was a not, not, not so much an individual principle, but a legal, a, a, a court. In other words, how, how, how the community is going to deal with one another. And so it was a legal principle designed, designed to prevent what you would call a blood feud. A blood feud would work out this way. It would be a small infraction by one tribe against another. Let's say they maybe trespassed on their property, okay? small infraction. And that small infraction was countered with a flogging or a beating of that person. Well, then the tribe of the person who was beat and flogged would respond by killing someone in that other tribe, which then that tribe would respond with genocide, attempting to wipe out the whole other group. And so what you have is this Escalation, you see, it, it, it's it's you know it, it, it's it's trespassing is met with a flogging instead of 
something more in line with the crime, you see. And so this legal principle, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was a principle that spoke to this and was designed to to restrain the escalating retaliation and a retribution that would that didn't fit the crime, you see. Today, this principle is foundational to all justice. In other words, you know, in some countries of the world, and I don't want to live there, you know, you get caught stealing, hand gets cut off. Now, we, we might look at that and go, yeah, we need to have that over here until your son gets caught stealing. <laughs> and then, then you won't want that, right? Uh, because it just doesn't fit the crime, see? So... What's happening here, Jesus brings this principle up in verse 38. And so we ask, well, why does he go into this? Why does he mention this? And it's because by Jesus' day, this principle had been distorted. In verse 38, he said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth tooth for tooth. But verse 39, he goes, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. So what's happening here, Jesus is addressing, again, something in the law of God, something in the word of God that has been distorted. And we've already covered that in some other areas of the Sermon on the Mount. What had happened was the question had become this. How far may my personal retaliation extend without breaking this law? In other words, how, how, you know, how, in other words, how close can I get to the edge here? How, how, how can I retaliate back against this person without actually breaking this law. That was one of the problems. But then another problem, even worse, this law was being dragged out of the court of the law into the personal arena. In other words, this, this principle was designed to be within the court of law. But now people were taking it and pulling it into their own personal arena. It was being used for gaining even limited retaliation and revenge. In other words... It was, it was like, okay, I know this principle's there. I, I can at least get this much retaliation, can I? Can, can, I, get, can I get a little bit? Can I, can I get, at least get this much? But this law was not permitted to be used to settle disputes, personal disputes with one another. That, that's, that's the point here. This, an eye, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, was not to be used on the personal level to settle personal disputes. Only the courts were permitted to do so. And so this is what Jesus is addressing here, okay? That's, that's the first thing we need to look at. So Jesus is calling his followers now to a righteousness greater and more beautiful than self-justice, and it's letting God be the judge, okay? Now, he gives us four illustrations of this. And we start in verse 39, what you might call verse 39a, it says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Uh, let's, let's just take this a little piece at a time. Do not resist the one who is evil. Hmm. Now, if you're thinking person, again, some flares are going off. You're going, no, wait a minute. What does this mean? How far does this go? Does this cover every possible context, everything that happens in life? Uh, some of you probably heard of, of uh, a man named Leo Tolstoy. He's a Russian author. He wrote a book some years ago entitled What I Believe. 
And after, he said, after a very serious study of the Sermon on the Mount, his view of Jesus' statement right here, this, this, in fact, all of these right here, but especially do not resist the one who's evil. His view of Jesus' statement was that there should be no soldiers, no policemen, no magistrates, because they resist evil people. Now, before I, you understand what I'm saying? He, he was saying, he looked at this and said, if we're going to follow what Jesus said, there should be no soldiers, no policemen, no magistrates, because these are people who are responsible for resisting evil people. Um, is he right? Is he right? No. We're all, are we all pretty sure he's wrong? Okay. All pretty sure of that, right? You, I guess you do see, you do see that, see, there's, there's, there's an instinct in you that's saying, wait a minute. Do not resist the one who is evil. You're looking at it just like I'm looking at it. And then you see someone who takes this to this extreme and, and you say, no, hold it. No, that's not, that's not right. So there's so, so something that tells us that that's not quite right. See, his view gained a great deal of traction. It's called the, the, uh, the, 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 the law of absolute non-resistance. Uh, this would view would go as far to say that no one may resist any evil person, even one who is attacking a third person. Now, often the, these people are called what? Pacifists, yes. Now, keep in mind, not all, in other words, there, there, there are varying degrees of pacifists. Some, some hold to the absolute non-resistant view. Even, even if you're out... And, and let's say you and your spouse go into a movie and uh, you notice uh, you notice someone, you know, maybe someone being beat up, maybe a child or a child being abused or whatever. Those who hold to the absolute non-resistant view, they would say, I can't do anything, not supposed to do anything. Based upon, based upon what Jesus is saying here. So let's just understand the gravity of what's happening here. Um, now, we, ha- we have this instinct that says, eh, don't think that's right. And, and you do realize that would turn Romans chapter 13 on its head. Because Romans chapter, Roman chapter 13 does uh, have government being as a gift from God to resist the evildoer, you see. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting how that pacifists who hold this extreme view wiggle around Romans chapter 13. But uh, these principles Jesus gives here are, are for those who follow him, and we, we must do our very best to understand them. I, th- I think Leo Tolstoy is wrong. I do. I, I, I think Personally, I think he's absolutely wrong. But we do, right? We do have to look at this and do our very best to understand. We, we, see, we're quick to say, well, it doesn't mean what Leo Tolstoy says, but it means something, right? Right? It, it, it at least means something. It, it, it's not just empty words, okay? So maybe verse 39b will help a little bit. Do not resist an evil one or, or one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, this is why Bible study is fun uh, because I think for most people who would read this and are not aware of the, the, um, you know, the background uh, of, of this verse, the cultural issues of this verse, they would, they would immediately think, 
I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a doormat, you know? Um, and so, first off, first off, this is not describing a physical attack. It, it, it's, it's, it's not describing a physical attack. Maybe we could put it this way. You, uh, you know, setting and uh, maybe you are, you are, you know, you make, let's, let's go back to the scenario. You're try, you, you step in, you're trying to help a third party. Or maybe you're, you're trying to help someone who is, is, is in a, in a and, and, and so the violent, the evil person strikes you in the cheek, or, you, know, you know, smacks you upside the head. Don't think Jesus means that you stop at that moment and go, kind sir, you know, hit me. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Jesus is not describing here a physical attack. Most of you know this probably from years of reading the Bible, Bible study. This was a traditional calculated insult. You see, it says, the, notice it, it is if anyone slaps you on the right cheek. So, so Jesus is getting particular here. He doesn't say anyone strikes you on the cheek. He specifies the right cheek. And the right cheek is describing what would be a backhanded slap, okay? So this, this is not like a, you know, a physical attack where somebody's coming at you and you know you, you, you've got to defend yourself. It's not, not that. This, is, this, is, this was of that day, this was a traditional, cultural, calculated insult. To use the back of the hand meant calculated contempt and withering disdain for the person. In other words, in that day, we don't see that today. But, but, but I guess the, the, the spirit of this is when someone does what Jesus is describing here, they are using contempt, and it, it's to say, you are nothing. You are nothing to me. You nothing. It's just contempt and disdain. It's, a, it's an insult to this person. And it seems, okay, and I'm going to use the word seems, it seems that this is an insult that comes because of one's faith. Now, why would we say that? It would seem to fit the context if you go back to chapter 5 and you notice it says in verse 10 and 11, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, blessed are those who revile and persecute you, uh, or, or when others revile and persecute you and all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. In other words, it, 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 it seems that this, this personal insult would be, would be coming on the account of your alignment with Christ. Um, this was an insult for which, uh, this would be an insult for which the common Jew would seek legal satisfaction according to the law. In other words, let's say this happens. Backhanded slap, insult. Um, this was something that a, a Jew could seek legal satisfaction for according to the law. But Jesus is saying here, and here's the point. Jesus is saying here, don't do it. In other words, this person has a legal right. They've been insulted. They've been publicly insulted. A follower of Christ has been publicly insulted. Again, remember, this is, the heart of this is not a physical assault okay? that, that one needs to defend themselves. It's not that kind of setting. This is a personal insult. 
And they have a right to go to court and say, you know, I'm, I've, got, I've got a right. I've got my rights. I can, go, I can go sue. And Jesus said, in your pursuit of exceeding righteousness, don't do that. But rather, absorb the guilt and give up your rights for reparation. Now, I said a moment ago, it's tough sledding, right? Deep water. Because doesn't that go against every instinct that our flesh has? You know, an insult. You insulted me. You know? uh, what, do, what do we want to do? We want to insult right back. Go right back at them. Uh, any, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Man, we're going to have to hurry. We're going to run out of time. I know we are. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, and notice verse 7. And I encourage you to read chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians when you get a chance uh, because, um, uh, it, it, because the very beginning of the chapter says lawsuits against believers. And just read that sometimes. Really interesting. Uh, but notice verse 7. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Now he's talking about conflicts between believers. A believer might say, well, I, you know, I'm taking you to court. You know? and, and, and if you read the entire chapter here, the, this entire section, you'll see that Paul is saying, look, this is not a good witness to the world. For the, for the church for the church to be looking outside to, to, to the secular society to settle conflicts within the church. And, and, and he's saying, you know, you might even need to consider just suffer the wrong. Just swallow it. D- don't, 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 don't take it to the mat with your rights. Okay? Got to move on. Second illustration, verse 40. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak as well. Um, I see most of you who have hung your cloak up outside, looks like. <laughs> what is this tunic and cloak stuff? You see, again, this is first century. A tunic was a long garment worn under the cloak next to the skin. Okay? So you, it says, if anyone would sue you and take your, your tunic, that's an inner garment, okay? But the cloak was an outer garment that was indispensable for life in Palestine. Uh, the weather there was, could get very cold. And so a clo- you, you had to have your cloak. You had to have it. You could do without your tunic maybe, but you had to have your cloak. It was possible in Jesus' day to sue someone for the very shirt they had on their back. Okay? That, would, that, that was something, again, specific for this time. But even if you lost your tunic in a court case, and your opponent asks for your cloak as well, you know, so they can look, look at the judge and say, look, I, I, I want his cloak too. I, I, want, I, want, I want to get full vengeance here. I, I want what I got coming. I, get, I want his, I want his I, and, and then the judge says, okay, you get the cloak too. By law, by Jewish law, they had to return the cloak every evening for that person to sleep in. That was how indispensable it was. And so Jesus says to his followers, what does he say here? If anyone would sue you for your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Wow, here we go again. Now, here's where you need to stop and go, wait a minute. Is Jesus encouraging his followers to run around naked? Of course not. Of course not. See, take it, take into its logical you know, you, 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 you say, I'm going I'm to put 
I'm going to put this in wood, this, this wooden, literal, it would mean that, okay, he has no, no tunic, no cloak, he's naked. See, the point here seems to be when Jesus' followers were met with opposition or persecution, they should not stand on their legal rights. I didn't write this, folks, so don't look at me that way. <laughs> i got to hurry. Third illustration, verse 41. Um, this probably has not happened to anyone today, but if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What in the world is that all about? Again, this was written during the time of the Roman Empire. When a Ro- whenever a Roman soldier, a Roman official, asked anyone within the empire to carry a burden a mile, that person had to do it regardless. Let's say you're sitting home, uh, you're a Jew, you're living in the Roman Empire, you hear a knock on the door, uh, you're sitting there, you're watching uh, Sunday night football, which is coming up pretty soon. You're sitting there watching Sunday night football. Roman Empire officials have a right this is the Roman Empire. It's their empire. They can come in and say, come on, you, you, now, come on. And you, you're going to carry my stuff. You're going to carry my burden, my load. You're going to carry it, and, and you had to carry it for a mile. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was something that happened within the Roman Empire. So this was something, th- think about it. Think about how much you would hate that. You're watching Sunday night football. Your team is winning or you're, you're there and you're eating your favorite meal and they come in and say, hey, you know, put the chicken wings down, you've got to go. Can you imagine how much Jews hated that? That, that the hatred, like, they have the right to come in here anytime and tell me and I have to do it? So what do you, I'm just going to ask you, what do you think Jesus is calling for here? I mean, remember, we're not living under the Roman Empire today. Hard to take this in a wooden, literal way because nobody has come to your house today and said, hey, walk a mile, you know, and that, that sort of thing. So, you know, we have to think about this. Uh, again, doesn't this seem to be that Jesus is saying, hey, you know, don't, don't be trying to stand on your rights. It's kind of tough, isn't it? it? I mean, it really, really is. And it does not get any easier in the next verse. The fourth illustration, and good grief, we've got 10 minutes, got to hurry. Look at verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, again, uh, flares go off and, and we ask this question. Is Jesus insisting that we give to every open hand? Is, is Jesus saying here, let's say between now and the time you get home, let's say you, uh, let's say you stop at Kroger and you're going in and somebody says, hey, hey, dude, you got a few dollars um, and, and, and you, you go, oh, okay, I got to do it. He's, he's asking for it here. And then you go on in the store, and there's somebody there who hits you up. And then you stop for gas, and somebody hits you up there. And you stop the post office to pick up your mail because you don't have it yet, and somebody hits you up there. You get the point? Is Jesus saying, insisting that we give to every open hand? And I know we don't have enough time, but I do want to turn to one of these, and I think I have them in your notes, but Proverbs 11 and 15 says, give, give, give to everyone who begs you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Uh, and so it, it's so good to be able to compare Scripture with Scripture and get some help here. In Proverbs 11 and 15, and I hope you look up the rest of them. It may help you to think this through. But Proverbs 11 and 15, let's just take a look at that for a moment. Whoever puts up for surety for a stranger will surely suffer harm. Uh, he, But he who... Hate striking hands and a pledge is secure. Uh, all this is talking about loaning money. Okay, it's talking about loaning money, 
And um, notice it says, uh, whoever puts up security for a stranger, you know. (laughs) Somebody stops you at Kroger and says, look, um, I need a a co-signer on a car. (laughs) Could you help me out? You know, and you go, well, sure, I guess I have to because Jesus said, no, no, no. And look at the rest of these when you get time uh, because, again, this requires some hard thinking. All of these do. Every one of these requires some hard thinking. Now, here, here, let, me, let me try to wrap this up by, I hope, giving some helpful, some things that help me as I, as I look at these. Because to be honest with you, this has, been, this has probably been the hardest section for me personally. Um, uh, because, you know, I won't, I won't go into a lot of detail, but just, just recently I, I, got, I felt like I got ripped off on, on some money. And, uh, boy, I got mad. And I, woo, I, I let them have it. But, uh, um, and I knew, I knew from the start I probably should just let this go. Uh, and then, and then, like, day after that, I have to start studying this, you know. <laughs> and it just killed me. <laughs> it just creamed me, I'm telling you. So let, some things that helped me. Uh, first, remember, Jesus is giving some illustrations because he, he, he brings up, you know, this eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and, and the problem is it's being drug into a personal way of, look, I, you know, I've got my rights, I want my rights, I, you know, this, this happened to me and I, I want this back. And it's, it's being drug out of the court into a personal way. And again, Jesus is saying, look, I want my followers. My followers are going to have to have exceeding righteousness. And so he gives some illustrations. Now, remember, these illustrations are set in first century culture. That, that we would look at right away and go, wow, I mean, I don't have the Roman government coming. And, and so th- this would mean that we, we have to look at these illustrations and apply them with wise exceptions. Let me, let, me, let me give you, I think we've already used this one. For example, turning the other cheek does not apply, for example, to rescuing a child from abuse. See, so we, we've already used that example, but there, there could be many others. Uh, if, if we just you know, wise thinking, you know, uh, there are real life situations that require resisting evil. I mean, I think most of you tonight want our local police department to be on the job resisting evil, right? So, so you know, real life situations require resisting evil. Uh, the example uh, here about giving, uh, give, you know, give, give to those who you know, have a handout and that sort of thing. The example of giving here does not require you to hand over your keys to, to your car to a homeless man, right? I mean, if you want to, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you, 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 I'm not stopping. I, I'm just saying that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is saying here. And so what, what helps me is this. Um, we are called to, to live wise, or to be wise. Um, what, and what is, what is wisdom? It's right living when there are no specific rules that address this particular situation. See, most, most of us, and I do, I appreciate it when, when I can look to some rules and it, 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 it says, okay, Van... What, what are you, you going to do about this? And I look, okay, what, what are the rules? <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll go by the rules. But so much of life, so much of life doesn't have 
a rule for that specific situation. You know, should, should, you know, like, should I take this job? I've been offered this job. Should I take this job? Uh, there's no specific rules that we can look to. And so we need wisdom. You know, how, 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 do I, how do I make this decision in light of the fact that I probably have about 80% of the information I need to make this decision? I remember years ago, Bob Russell uh, really helped me a lot because, you know, you, you, in making decisions, we, we often want to, we want as much information as we can get. You know, if you talk to this person, have you talked to this person? If you, and you, you, but the, the reality is, Bob is saying that, you know, the reality is we might, we might be able to get 80, maybe sometimes 85% of, of, of needed information before we make the decision, but seldom do we ever get 100%. And, and sometimes we just have to, we have to go. We have to go ahead and make a decision even though we do not have all of the information. Uh, so that's, that's why I say this requires, this requires some very hard thinking. And I think at the very least we can say this. If, 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 I, if I had to put a, t- you know, like a, like a title over this, like what, what, do I, what, do, what do I believe Jesus is saying here? That his disciples must let go of our obsession with fairness. That the idea that because we follow Jesus, things ought to go fairly for us. And, and, and I think Jesus is at least saying this, at least. We need to let go of our obsession with fairness. And again, remembering this is on a personal level, okay? A personal level, personal insults that we, we need, as, as his followers, we need to not be so obsessed with our rights, more 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 concerned about righteousness than our rights. And I think we can also say this at the end. This is hard. And I'm just going to tell you, it's hard even talking about this tonight. I mean, because you're looking at me so weird. It's just hard. It's, it's hard. Because, I, you know, I, I feel like as I try to explain this, you know, when I've done my best, uh, I feel like at the end of it, you know, still left with many, many questions, you know, that, this is hard, and so I think it ought to leave us probably this way. Lord, help me, <laughs> right? Lord, help me, because I want, I want, I think you do too. We want to live and practice exceeding righteousness. We we want to do that, and sometimes life circumstances really makes it a challenge, and so we need all the more to say, Lord, help me couple of, of responses and we'll have to wrap up. It's 8 o'clock. Anybody just say, if I don't say this, I'm going to die. So anybody? Yes, Paula. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, and, you know, exactly. And, you know, you could say, and thank God he did. Thank God he did because that, that was all toward our redemption, you know. Because, because really, you know, that, that's... That's what we see in the rest of the book of Matthew is Jesus doing this very thing that he's calling us to do. Anybody else? Hey. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Agree. Anybody else? Dale? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for your good comments and patience. And so if you'll stand, we'll be dismissed. Our Father, anyone who has said that 
living the Christian life is easy, it's probably not lived the Christian life too long. They've probably not been a deep thinker at all, and they've probably not really just looked at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, No wonder Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. No wonder Paul warned the churches, you're going to face tribulation, because when we align ourselves with Jesus who was hated, we will face persecution. We will face hostility. And so, Lord, you are, are speaking to that very issue tonight. Would you, would you please help us? Would you give us the wisdom as we need it? Um, Holy Spirit, would you uh, guide us and, and direct us in, in, a, in a Christ-honoring way in all of our relationships? And while we haven't been able to even be able to answer all the what-ifs and what about this tonight, um, I know that as we look to your word, uh, you will help us uh, to, to answer other questions that we might have. So as we go tonight, may we go in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.